Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. Good morning and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. I'm Rachel Marshall along with my co-host Bruce Weiner, and today we are talking with client coordinator Dean Myers. He is a fabulous person that is on the Money Advantage team working with our clients and we have something really, really amazing to share with you today and that is about how to expand your financial vision. Now this really hits close to home because Dean has recently experienced a health crisis that he's going to tell you all about. And really this has then related to recovering and improving and expanding his own personal actual vision that he sees with his eyes. And we're just so thankful to have you with us here today. So Dean, welcome to the show. Thank you, it's good to be here. Awesome, and Bruce, good morning. How are you doing today? Good morning, Rachel, I'm doing great. I think uh, this is gonna be a little bit of a unique uh, podcast. It's one that uh, I always have some a little bit of angst when we talk. We're going to talk about uh, people's mortality uh, necessarily, and then when you when you throw life insurance um, into it into the mix, then it's almost like you're trying to scare people. But um, you know, the older I get, the I realize that the message is the message. Um, mm-hmm. The fact of the matter is, is that there are younger and younger people taking control. <clears throat> or I should say they need to take control of their lives and they're getting mixed messages. Um, and although I think there's a lot of energy with young people now, they, they have to realize, I do believe they, they, they have this mentality of that. They want to, uh, you know, live this great life of freedom and experiences and so on and so forth. And they're not worried about the future necessarily. And as we, as we talk to our clients, we talk to them about, um, uh, visions, you know, 25 year visions. And so, yeah, you don't have to plan every single uh, step of your way, but you ought to have a vision. And, and as we've said on this program many, many times, we believe that the, uh, the freedom of the protection aspect in your life, whether it's life insurance or any other insurance, actually gives you uh, a greater freedom, freedom to live your life the way you want to live it. Oh, absolutely. And I think um, we're going to probably come back to several of those with the vision and the plan being in control, and the freedom to be able to live your life the way you want to. And so today, as we're talking about expanding your financial vision, we're going to talk about how to feel great about your money, accomplish your financial goals, make your financial worries really a thing of the past for you so you can really have that life that is more fulfilling in every way that you can possibly imagine. So um, Dean, I'm going to share a little bit just about you before we jump into the questions today. And so Dean is on the Money Advantage team. He usually is sitting on client meetings as a client coordinator, making sure that we don't miss anything in that client conversation, and then also making sure that we communicate with our clients effectively afterwards and really picking up what is most important for you as a client to accomplish. Now, Dean really has this great motto in his life, it's not my work, it's my passion. And that's one of the things I love about Dean. I also love that he really is always thinking about education and how can he bring education to the table. So whether he's coaching soccer or he's tutoring students or he's talking to people about their money, education is a huge piece of what he does. And so I think you're probably going to see that education and the passion come through in um, the stories that he shares today. So Dean, 
Good morning, and officially, welcome again to the show. Yes, good to be live, and it's kind of nerve-wracking. Well, we are going to um, hopefully put those nerves to rest here. So just tell us a little bit about just your background first, and how did you get into the financial services and insurance industry to begin with? Okay, well, I grew up around the business, I guess, is you know, I always struggle to figure out what it's called because there's so many parts to it. But, oh, um, sure. but yeah, I grew up going on trips and, you know, just thinking, what does my dad even do trying to figure it out myself? And then kind of got to the point where I realized money makes the world go round, but it also only holds the importance that you give to it. Oh, that's and awesome. so I decided that, you know, I wanted to do right by people, but I wanted to do it with the right people. And so I went on a mission trying to find a group. I'm based out of Nashville and I wanted to kind of fly the coop and do my own thing, but I couldn't find another group in Nashville that I agreed with per se. And that's what made me eventually find St. Louis and E3. And I actually think that you were at the dinner that was in that downstairs of the restaurant on the like week I brought my dad up to meet everybody at E3. It was yes, like Tim I was. Butler and all those, all the people. And so that was my, my first like major weekend of like, you know, getting my dad's approval. And then yeah, I guess you're not flying the coop if your dad's good with it. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, I but, love yeah. that you said finding other people who were doing things the way that you wanted to do them. And I think sometimes that can be a little challenging in the financial industry. I mean, a lot of what we talk about is, I, I mean, you could say it's against the grain. You could say it's um, counter to the typical financial mainstream wisdom and conventional thinking about how to handle money. And it can be challenging to find somebody who also thinks the same way. And I think some of our listeners probably can resonate with that idea as well, that maybe they're seeing things not working very well with the typical way people handle money and saying, Hey, I want to do something differently, but how do I find the right people for that? So I just wanted to even pull that out of what you shared. Yeah. Well, I'd like to add that that was Frank Papa's Italian restaurant that we were, we were all sharing that night, <laughs> which was uh, amazing by the way. Um, what actually Rachel, um, I think what you're hitting on is something we've talked about in the past is, uh, and I heard somebody say this the other day on national level, you know, he said, we have a retirement crisis. We have a money crisis with our citizens in the United States. And I'm thinking, okay, so if, if that's happened and financial planning has been basically around since 1979, when the 401k first came around, then why are we continuing to do the same things over and over and over? And uh, exactly. it's one of the things I think uh, E3 does or the Money Advantage does. And, and Dean is a part of that change because we want to take not typical financial planning, but traditional financial planning where we actually focus on saving sound money and we focus on the client and not just um, uh, procedures that you can just go automatically. And that's why I like, I love having Dean on meetings because we want to have two people on every meeting so that we are, we have not only a succession plan, but we actually have two sets of ears that can hear a client and what they're really trying to accomplish. But I, mm -hmm. I think, 
I think that's kind of background of what Dean does for us. And uh, but I think what we really want to do is get to know Dean Dean really well on this podcast. Absolutely. So Dean, I know you um, a little bit better than Rachel even. And but the one thing that I I don't know is like. I know you come from a big family and there was probably chaos and, you know, growing up and so on and so forth, but give us a typical, you know, uh, a typical timeline from let's say when you were five or six years old all the way through your, your college life, which I know was, there was a little trauma during that time period too. You mean health wise or? No, no, just like a tip. What's, what was a typical year uh, for Dean? You well, know? yeah. I mean, being from a big family, so I'm, I'll just say it for the people listening. I'm one of nine kids, same that's parents, so awesome. one at a time. My mom always wanted twins. I think that's why what people would think were accidents, you know, they weren't. They just, they wanted twins. And uh, my mom actually had a hole in her heart all growing up and didn't know it until after the eighth kid. Oh, my goodness. And had surgery. Yes, yeah, she's. I'm not gonna say freak of nature because that makes her sound like a monster she's she's a beautiful woman and she's still thin as can be you wouldn't think she'd even had three kids oh my goodness uh, but she had the surgery and then had a night my baby sister Emmy Lane so every year was different growing up because there was always a new kid (laughs) that's so So, Dean where are you in the mix of all those nine yeah so I'm number two of nine okay I'm I'm the oldest boy and my sister above me is now a counselor and she so that makes sense because she had to deal with all of us and <laughs> make sure we were in line and um she's That's really awesome. enjoying what she's doing and my sister right below me abby they both got little kids now and abby just had her first child that was just missed by that tornado that hit nashville by like oh half goodness. a mile when you so, said that i was like oh my goodness lucas was sending out information about the tornadoes and i said that was crazy. I'm just so glad you guys are doing okay yeah. and your sister too. Yeah. It's it's been pretty devastating and I haven't really even got to go out and take part cuz they're encouraging us to not not go out there until the the city figures out how to deal with all the live wires and everything that's like oh hanging gosh. loose. But um but yeah, that's so crazy. when I was when I was 10 or maybe 9, I actually had a bad traumatic brain injury that um slightly affected my everyday life and where I was on life support for two and a half days. I'm basically giving that background to say that I've been through a lot of, you know, medical experiences. And then when I was, you know, life was, life was good. Life was, you know, full of love and having so many family members and always something going on. And then uh, when I was 25, I had a heart surgery that um, they thought I might have a hole in my heart because of my mom, but it was actually something with my mitral valve. And then um, I'm sure we'll get to the rest of the recent health crisis uh, in in a coming question, but I don't want to ruin the fun. But yeah. <laughs> hey, well, we'll back, back up a little bit. Like what was typical for Dean in high school? Like were you in uh, clubs? What did you like? To, what classes did you like? Did you play sports and then go through college? Yes. So you had that. So you had that heart. Yeah. So situation. I, I grew up playing soccer. I I loved football and soccer, but when I had the head injury, it was right before I went to fifth grade. And fifth grade is where football started mm. for, at school. I could have played from you know a younger age, but with eight siblings, you kind of get one sport. I and gotcha. so, 
So I was going to do whatever I could also do at school. But um, head injury ruled out football. And mm -hmm. so I became, you know, a soccer fiend. I could just avoid heading the ball and I was all good. So I played a lot of soccer. Um, and as I went, I was going to go to Belmont to play soccer. And it wasn't until I arrived at the physical that they told me that I couldn't, uh, that I, I wasn't eligible to play. So I was oh, already wow. in my dorm. I was ready to rumble. <sighs> and uh, we, me and the eight other freshmen were laughing about how long this physical took and how thorough it was. And we're standing on one foot at a time. And as athletes, we're like, what are we doing? And then I go in to meet the doctor who's from Vanderbilt. And he was like, man, we can't clear you to play. Oh, and my it gosh. Just, it's devastating. Yeah, it really was. And I, I had tied up way too much of my identity into my athleticism. And, mm. and so that got, that got put to check real quick. And, um, so Dean, you want to share why, you could, why they wouldn't clear you? Yeah, it was from that traumatic brain injury when I was nine. And wow. so because I wasn't wearing a helmet because I was a kid, you know, that came back to, to bite me in the butt. Even though I'd been playing all the way through, they just couldn't take the liability of it. And wow. uh, Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so I actually, and I don't know if you knew this, Bruce, but instead of, you know, I, it was a pretty sad season when my buddies would go away for the weekend and they'd pretty much be gone training, you know, and I lived with them so that they would be, they would be away and I'd just be sitting in my dorm just by myself and I was just like, goodness gracious. So the next semester I started coaching soccer. And, oh, wow. And that's where I found my love for coaching. And I've been on a hiatus of late, but since I have younger brothers, I was always able to plug in and coach from the stands. And I wasn't the yelling guy from the stands that didn't know what he was talking about. I was the after the game, you know, coach him up kind of thing. Oh, that's and, so uh, awesome. But yeah, I even, I even ran into a, a high school girls soccer coach that coaches club in the Nashville area because we had our first MLS game. And she was like, Man, I still am thankful for that state game when you were texting me formation changes from the stands. <laughs> nice. And so any coach that'll listen to you from the stands is that's that's a big enough compliment right there. Dean, I love how you shared that. And Bruce, thank you for asking those questions because I didn't know that piece of your story. And it's just really fascinating to see you as this person. You said your identity was wrapped up in the athleticism all of a sudden this can no longer be part of your life. And you figured out a way not only to make it be part of your life anyways, but how to make it be about other people and coaching them. And I think that's just, that's profound. Um, that speaks to what kind of a person you are. And um, just for the sake of time, let's jump forward, fast forward into what, tell us about your recent health crisis then um, that has kind of brought you into where you are today. Yes. Yeah, so on December 2nd, I had a, what's called a basilar tip occlusion. So it's a, a stroke on your basilar, which is basically what connects to your brain stem. And it's considered one of the top most dangerous strokes that you can have because mm. your brain stem is what controls the things that you don't even think about. These right. Invo involuntary reactions yeah. like breathing, heartbeat, yeah. uh, your uh, endocrine, uh, system and all this other yeah, your balance like I, I mean, was gonna say your balance that's only one i remember from science class bruce is much more um scientific than i am yeah so um it's one of the it's one of the strokes that they you know everyone knows somebody that's had a stroke and 
and you don't picture me and you don't picture someone that's, that's now had one and it's talking to you and seemingly great. And, and the first one was, you know, miraculous. I, mm. the guy who I was actually serving at people loving Nashville, um, downtown Nashville, we were served, we served food to the homeless and they, um, and then give them haircuts and there's showers and it's a really cool organization. But, um, if I had not been there, I would have been up in Hendersonville and would have just thought I was having a migraine probably mm. or was sick and would have just gone to bed. And I don't know if I would have woken up, but because oh my, my symptom hit right when we were dismissing to take the food to our spot where we uh, meet everybody, the leader of people loving Nashville happened to see me sitting by the wall with his sister and one of my other friends when everyone was leaving. So we went from like a hundred people down to three outside and it was like 35 degrees and he stopped and like was checking on me and he diagnosed me as having a stroke. And so oh called the ambulance and yeah, before, before I knew it, I was not even able to stand up. And when the firemen, by the time they got there, I couldn't even like no balance, like backwards, forwards. Cause I told him before the last time I had walked, which was just five minutes before I said, I can probably like help you go forward, but I can't go like I have no control. But I didn't realize that your balance also can throw you back. So I'm just eyeballs at this point. Oh my gosh. And, um, but yeah, so the that stroke is 95% mortality rate. Oh and the 5% that typically survive, you know, you kind of become just eyeballs, like I said, mm -hmm. because you can't move anything, you can't control anything, but you're fully with it in your head. And oh, so wow. I never passed out. I remember everything, but I went on, um, they, they were, Vanderbilt was able to pull the clot. So Vanderbilt, who was my enemy for not letting me play soccer, you know, saves my life on the other hand. And oh my gosh, the next morning I had, you know, all kinds of doctors coming in just not believing what had happened. That and, is so miraculous. Yeah. And I was That's so thankful. And I mean, I could have walked out of there the next morning, which would have been Tuesday morning. They, they obviously kept me to, run tests and you know try to find where it came from because I look healthy I am healthy <laughs> I had the heart surgery so they were like thinking it was from the heart so then fast forward two months unless you have you know you probably do have questions but no go go ahead um so I, I was dismissed on Friday of that week with no deficits no restrictions which they they had no they they'd never seen anything like that especially with that type of stroke so I passed my occupational therapy the Tuesday after the Monday, like the next morning wow. they came in and they're like, can you stand on one foot? And I'm, I'm not sure I can because I didn't want to be prideful, but I'm feeling the exact same. And so then I like closed my eyes and they're like, no, 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 don't close your eyes. And I was like, Oh, sorry. I thought you were wanting to test proprioception or something. Cause I did that for my ankles when I heard them in soccer. And so that, that Tuesday afternoon, I was walking down the hallway to go to the bathroom because my room didn't even have a bathroom in it. That was the kind of outlook they were expecting. Wow. Oh, my goodness. And so um, so past physical therapy, my, I was correcting my speech therapist grammar. Um, so I passed that. And, yeah, it was the one the, with a head injury. You're, like, almost encouraged to be a smart aleck. So I was uh, – that was my kind of environment. Yeah, you could blame it on the head injury. Yeah, well, and they're like, ooh, he's using his brain. It's like, yep, it's perfect. You know, Dean, I don't want to take away from your story, but what's interesting, two things that you mentioned real quick, I also very had a very 
life-threatening situation about nine months ago when my daughter was born. And two things that you just mentioned. One, I was joking around with the nurses while I'm in the ICU room the day after I almost lost my life, had eight units of blood replaced Mm. in an insane situation that they didn't know if I was going to make it. And What's interesting is I also didn't have a toilet in my room, so I know exactly the kind of ICU room you're talking about, and I could not get off that bed for about 24 hours, but joking with the nurses, yes, that's definitely a good sign that you're at least cognitively with it. So let's... So jump forward now, because I know that as as good as your story sounds from here, there was a whole lot more afterwards. So so they dismissed me uh, with a heart, like a portable heart monitor telemetry and to just keep track of my heart because I passed all the tests. They they really didn't know what what it was coming from. But um, so I had that for a month. And after a month, the readings came back negative and I had hiked. I had I jogged a couple times. I didn't want to push it too hard, but. I wanted to push it while I was being monitored. And then, um, yeah, so I, that came back negative. So I was like, sweet, I'll just keep taking my aspirin and I'll you know, move on with life. And then a month after that, so two months later, February 1st, this time, I was uh, on the pedal tavern training to see if I could get some part-time cash and stood up on my third training shift inside the bike and it hit me. And I thought it was a migraine because I get migraines with like aura in my mm-hmm. vision. And so I was like, oh, this is going to be a long day. And um, yeah, I did two parties with now what I know with hindsight 2020. I had a stroke and I was, I was, you know, sitting on the cooler and dancing and I was like probably falling asleep. And I was handing people their drinks and trying to, trying to finish the shift strong. And Wow. Come to find out that Friday. So I went in six days later and I had had another stroke, but I just, it was nothing like the strokes that I, that I'd read about that I was told to look out for. I didn't have any of the fast signs as they call them. Cause, and then, you know, I was fooled because both of my eyes were experiencing the weakness to the left. So I was like, Oh, it's both sides. It's a migraine where it was both sides to the left. So meaning the eyeballs are like, I'm sure there's something else too, but the eyeballs are one of the few things that two sides connect to one side of your brain. And I was like, of course, like I got, I got duped by my own pride and that I thought I could self-diagnose and I didn't want to run to, I was, the last thing I thought was a stroke. I was blaming the medicines. I was everything else, but that was set straight Friday. That's crazy. So then what happened from there? Did you have to stay in the hospital? Was it inpatient? What was that? so yes, like. down at, that started round two of my um, luxurious hotel stay in the Vanderbilt Medical Center. And uh, they ran even more tests. They brought every team on board because the first time it was mainly neurology. This time they're like, okay, we got to figure this out. He's too young. I was actually supposed to, that Monday, that coming up Monday after I became inpatient, I was supposed to go to the National Fire Department and we were going to have like a a big you know meeting and celebration of the first event and how well it went and we actually had to cancel that they were going to take me in an ambulance and i was up for it but they said they needed to keep me there and just make sure everything uh-huh. checked off so they rechecked my heart did a tee a tte which are echoes once transthoracic once transesophageal where they like put you to sleep and go down your esophagus and everything checks out um they did 
I don't, I don't know how many, what a unit of blood is, but they took a lot of blood for me the first couple of days. And I just went a couple of days ago to the hematologist and everything came back negative. So I keep getting negative reports, but I'm, I'm, you know, negative reports waiting. meaning good yes. diagnosis. Yeah. <laughs> That's always confusing to me, but yes. Yes, I know. And, uh, but everything, every doctor I meet, I went to the neurosurgeon yesterday. Like I'm still go, I have an appointment right after this podcast. And it, it's just more of the same. So I'm just like, I want a solution, but I don't want them to find what's wrong. Like I told my hematologist, I was like, is there a chance that you guys could possibly find something in the prescription is eat a bag of Skittles the rest of your <laughs> life? Because that to me would be, I could, I'd be down with that. Oh, that's awesome. That's but, awesome. So, so the main thing that it's affected has, so again, fortunately, I've had another stroke and I can another, talk, I can joke. You mean another, the one on February? Yes. So Not the another third one. Okay. Right, second. <laughs> but the fortunate thing about the second one is that the only deficit from that has been my vision. So and tell us about that. And you, you'd mentioned that your vision has been restricted and that vision is becoming very crucial and important to you, not only expanding and restoring your vision, but what is that, what has that been like for you? Yes. So it's like having a constant migraine. If you've ever had a migraine and get aura, it's like having a constant aura, just not the headache. And so it can be pretty confusing at first, but your body is an incredible thing and your brain's an incredible thing. And it, it slowly adapts. The first couple of days after the stroke, which I thought was a migraine, I mean, my, the proportions of the rooms around me seemed so off and they were like changing and, and I was just thinking it was a really bad migraine. But I've, my vision is my left peripheral. So thankfully, where the, it affected my occipital lobe, it wasn't the very back. So the very back is what controls you looking forward. So I can okay. see you guys. I can see you fine. And then my right peripheral is still there. And, you know, if I were to choose one of the three regions to lose, I would have chosen my left because mm. I'm right-handed. I'm, you know, it's a right-handed world, at least in America. And, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for that, those aspects of it. And I'm choosing to be thankful for what I do have and not what I don't. Mm. But also That's to have awesome. a second stroke and my only deficit being my left field of vision that is slowly, so I'm, I'm happy to say it's slowly improving i don't know i'm hoping awesome. for a hundred percent but you know i'm doing everything i can in my power to regain that you know and it was crazy that that it's affected you that way and it's crazy how much you've been through and when i look at the situation you mentioned to me that vision has just become really important to you vision you mentioned um expanded vision world vision a restored vision, just vision in general, having clear vision. And I said, this is just really fascinating because for somebody who is looking at your situation, A, they could probably say, my goodness, I can't believe this guy has had so many second chances or a third or fourth or however many. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've definitely um, cheated death in a, a billion ways. And what's just crazy about that is that now this vision element is becoming for you, not just a physical thing, but this this thing about how do you expand your life vision. And, and I wanted to relate that over to just how we help clients be able to find and expand their financial vision and why that is so important. And so Dean, I would just love to ask you, I know we only have about 10, 15 minutes before the end of the, uh, the time that we have together today, but can you, let's jump over from your, your 
physical vision right now to kind of how do we help clients to discover their financial vision through doing that financial picture and, and really going through a wish list and figuring out what is most important to them to accomplish? Yeah. So one thing I've realized is I didn't even realize was one of my specialties in the group, but is, you know, taking the wish list uh, for people and walking them through what they really want. And I don't, I don't know why I'm, why that's something I'm good at, but I am. And we just kind of walk through what, what we could help them with over the next few years that would make them feel like they've accomplished something through our relationship. And then just getting, getting them to talk about themselves is kind of hard for them. I mean, I'm, I'm terrible about talking for what I want. I'm good about talking about how I can help people, but we were just walking through their objectives, their concerns, their opportunities that they want to capture, and then their strengths. And it's always interesting because, especially if we talk to someone that's in a couple, what I'll always do is I just say, tell me what your wife's good at, or tell me what your husband's good at. And they can mm. flow, you know, they can go through it and tell exactly what they're good at. And then that kind of gives them a springboard to say, okay, yeah, this is what she says I'm good at. And, or this is what he says I'm good at. Because when, it, when, you, when if I ask you what your strength is, you might be like, uh, but I know mm-hmm. your strength is mass communication and, and clear communication and getting to the point. I may not be good at getting to the point, but I'm good at getting people to their point. Uh, Dean, I love how you said that. And I think what's really interesting about that is I think a lot of times people in general don't know what we, I'm going to put myself in that category. We're not good at saying, this is what I want out of life. And I think that translates over into our financial life and saying, well, what do I in fact want? What do I want to accomplish? And really being able to own that. And I think this relates really well over to a book that I'm reading called The Next Right Thing. And it was interesting that um, the author, I will post in the show notes. I don't want to mess up who the author is on that and, and misspeak. But um, she says, many of us move through our entire lives as a shadow of our true selves, not knowing who we are. And if that's happening in our life and not really fully knowing who we are, how much less can we have this financial vision that says with clarity exactly what we want to accomplish? And I think that sometimes we're, we all need someone else to draw it out of us. And I think that's one of the things that's so amazing and beautiful and awesome about the process of talking to somebody about your money because you might not exactly know what are your hopes and fears and dreams and what are the things that are most important to you. And I think sometimes it really takes a lot of introspection, which requires somebody else to be able to be there for you and ask some of the right questions so that yeah. you can really get clear on that vision. Yeah, I think I think one of the coolest things about E3 and the money advantage is, you know, I it's like one-to-one, not you know, one size fits all. It's like oh, one so size good. fits one. And a lot of a lot of advisors, A, don't take the time. It takes a lot of studying to even have a brief overview of what we do. And so I think what, one thing I see with a lot of clients we meet is everyone thinks that everyone else has their stuff together. When really, oh, so true. not many of us have our stuff together, you know, and, and we're all trying to figure it out. And there's just such little communication going on these days. And then people are trying to find it out there on the internet. And that can almost, that's a whole other bag. <laughs> like, you know, it's, 
So well, you're normally going to find information that isn't suited. It's never going to be custom tailored to you if it's on the internet. Right. It's not going to fit your unique, specific skill set where you want to go in life, your exact financial picture, your situation. There's no way it can yeah. fit all those idiosyncrasies for sure. And so that's one thing I like about the financial picture is it provides a simple yet current picture of where they are in their financial life. And even if it's very simple, that's okay. Because, you know, we'll have people that are 25 to 75, and they may have a very similar looking financial picture, but their goals may be very different, depending mm -hmm. on where they are in their life. But it's still, they're making that step of trying to figure out what's next, and what's best for me. And that's a that's the great thing about these groups is we truly care. And and there's not a cookie cutter. Oh, let's let's throw them in this. Like, it's what do you want? Here are some great options. What do you want out of this? And how can we help you? And I don't know. It's that's a that's a rarity. I feel like in nowadays, and we're not tied to one certain thing. We can we can solve problems in many different ways. You know, I think what's really interesting, and there's two pieces I want to pull together as we're getting closer to wrapping up here, but yeah. One of the things is that it's really important to not only have a financial vision that is a certain dollar amount. And Bruce, you talk about this all the time, that numbers can be limiting, specifically as a goal. And I think one of the things that we really do well at The Money Advantage is help somebody to figure out not only where they are right now, but how do they take what they have and maximize it? Meaning yeah. that's not necessarily saying, okay, how do I take what I have and get to exactly $3 million? That's not mm -hmm. the that's not the um, process. We don't guarantee that everyone's going to be at a certain um, lifestyle or a certain dollar amount in um, in assets or net worth at a certain age. Really, it's about saying, how do I take what I have, be as efficient as possible, do the absolute most with my money, and expand that vision and maximize what I have. And I think that's a, just a different way of thinking about accomplishing a financial life. And so. That's one thing that makes us very different. And then I wanted to ask you why you think, Dean, from your vantage point of sitting in client meetings and hearing the stories from so many different people, why you think is maybe the number one reason why people have limited financial vision. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but this might have to do with thinking about things on an alternative basis versus the status quo. I'm not sure. You might have something else to say, though. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's interesting because I think a lot of people come in thinking there's only one way to accomplish what goals they have in their head. And it's because everyone's been told, you know, well, you got to put your money in the market. You got to own a house. You got to, you got to, you know, have a 401k or 403b and you got to load it up and you got to do this, 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 and this. But if that worked for everyone, then everyone would be loaded. Like, mm -hmm. One, one, I don't remember where I read this quote, but it was, you know, if 401ks or 403bs were so great, how many people do you know that are just multimillionaires from putting money into their 401k? And you Such sit a there, good question. You sit there and it's like, and, and I'm not saying 401ks are bad. Sometimes that's the best way for someone to save that's not a good saver. And I, going back to my personal recent history, like, when you get sick, you go to the doctor. When you get sick, you go to the hospital. And that, you know, I, I could never have fixed myself with the brain surgery that they did on me. Like it was oh, immediate, yeah. it was needed. But at the same time, 
they're telling me I can't fix my vision. I just need to sit and wait. Mm. And that's not acceptable to me personally. But that's what the medical, because I'm lumped into a mass of stats. That's what the medical field is. And I've learned the hard way, not the hard way as in its effect in my health, but the hard way is in, they dismiss me with medicine and they dismiss me with, well, we don't have any studies on the eyes yet. Because I'm like, what can I do to help my vision? And I'm at one of the top hospitals, but they're like, you know, you're past all our tests. So I've picked up juggling, for example. And I love it. And just like when I toss a ball up to my left side, I lose it about like right here. And so oh, like wow. I can see my hand in the video, which is weird, but I can't see it right here in my field of vision. But oh, I'm wow. having to catch it and throw it back up without even having to see it. And I'm trying to rewire around that, you know, with wow. neuroplasticity. I'm trying to rebuild this part of my brain because my eyes are healthy, but I still can't see, which is just, it's like mind blowing. But wow. um, all that to say, I feel like there's so many solutions, but only so many are backed by certain things. So like with, with stocks and bonds and 401ks, they're backed by you know, the public and everyone's like, this is what we should do. That, that's where doctors are. That's, you know, they sit there and, and that's great. They're very needed, but it's not the, it's not the end all be all. Mm -hmm. Outside of stocks and bonds, and there's things like whole life insurance. There's, there's things like alternative investments that a lot of people haven't even heard of. And, and then on the health side, there's, you know, you can go to the chiropractor, which is like, no, like every doctor you bring up, they're like, no way, no way. And then you talk to chiropractors, like, don't go to the doctor unless it's uh -huh. for this, this, and this. And it's, it's hard to find out. But if you had someone that was like, if, if there was an eye specialist somewhere that was like, you need to go to the doctor for this, get this medicine. And then the chiropractor, I would make sure they don't adjust your neck and I would make sure they don't, you know, do neck manipulation so you don't get this, but also maybe try out playing FIFA on your, on your Xbox because that'll help your, you know, peripheral vision and all right. that. But, but you rarely get someone who can tailor something to you because everyone has enemies and they're trying to compete. And that's so profound what you just said, because I think sometimes in any industry we can be so, I don't know, aggressive about protecting our turf instead yeah. of really doing what's right for people. And I think not only do we really need to make sure that solutions that we offer financially, medically, in any field really encompass the full range of everything that's possible, but there's also something that you said that was just really amazing. And I don't even know if you caught this angle of it, but you were saying, well, here's what the medical profession said that they can do for me. But I wanted to not just sit and wait. I wanted to take that ownership and control and figure out what can I do that's in addition to sitting and waiting. And so you yeah. said, I'm going to take up juggling, which is probably, I mean, if it juggling is probably not a medicine at all, but if it was a medicine, <laughs> I'd call it alternative medicine. So yeah. it's definitely not a medical um, type of solution. And what I think is just profound and powerful about that is that it relates to our money in so many ways. We want to make sure that our clients are in control and that they have solutions that work for them to be able to do things outside of the status quo, outside the box that are not just what everyone else is doing, but really making sure that they can have that ownership and control. And so we are going to leave it here just because of the sake of time today. Yeah. Um, Dean, I just wanted to, first of all, um, just thank you so much for being on the Money Advantage team. Thank you for the amazing work that you do with clients. It's very clear that your brain is thoroughly intact. You're joking. You're <laughs> laughing. You're 
stringing together profound ideas. I think profound is one of my favorite words, and you definitely are um, meeting that mark of profoundness today, if that's a word as well. All right. And um, so I just, I really am thankful to have you here and thankful that you were willing to share your journey and get through that trepidation that you had at the beginning, but although I think that's gone now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So um, thank you so, so very much. And I think this was really eye-opening for somebody who's coming into thinking, what can I do differently about my money? Where can I expand my financial vision? Where have I maybe been seeing too small or not seeing the full capacity of what would be possible if I really maximize everything I have and become as efficient as possible. So I'm going to um, thank you, Dean, for being on the show today. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. And then I also want to thank any uh, all of the wealth creators in our audience. And I want to also say, if you want to take this one step further, I would highly encourage you to go to themoneyadvantage.com slash calendar. I'll put the link in the show notes as well. You can get on our advisor calendar and see these awesome faces. Possibly we have three on our advisor team and we have some other people who fill in as well. So it's not, we're not guaranteeing that you'll get Bruce and and Dean, but you will definitely get some amazing people on our advisor team who have that ability to really pull out your unique financial vision and figure out what is it that you want to accomplish in your life and help you expand that financial vision and then help put you on that path to really accomplishing your goals. And so that is in a free strategy call where you start that conversation. You can get on our calendar at themoneyadvantage.com. Is there anything, Bruce, that you want to share in closing? I feel like uh, we did not allow you to talk very much today. Well, I think well, that's, that's fine. That's, that's actually um, that's really fine. I think the thing I'd like to say in closing is um, two things. The first thing is you, you almost bled out, uh, your life, uh, passed Me. before you. Yes. You, yes. Rachel, you almost bled out and, uh, lost eight, uh, pints of blood. And that's yeah. more than you probably had in your body. And then <laughs> Dean has had multiple, uh, um, life, uh, flashing incidents. Um, yeah. I hope I'm not the next. So that's the first thing. No, I would, I would like <laughs> no. To- no, oh, then, no, then no, my second one takes care of that. And we're the, done. We're done on the money advantage team with any near death experiences. So we've and, and, we've already accomplished that. And and then I've said this before, and <clears throat> you know, people people look at their lives and think they have to be at a certain place in their lives. And I think I think we'd have more enjoyment in our lives if we would just enjoy the journey and 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 a twenty five year vision, and then make adjustments along the way, and then constantly. Uh, uh, refocus the vision that you're looking at and just enjoy what you're doing uh, along the way. And you do that by, and if you want, and if you see it as success and everybody else is, is seeing success as a marker, you know, I have to be here, 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 and they're miserable, then that's what the common people do. So why don't you try to do something that's uncommon? It's, it's, okay. it's, it's, it's interesting how everybody, uh, kind of, I don't know, blames is the right way or is envious or actually some people actually admire business owners and business owners actually have different visions. They don't look at accumulating um, big piles of cash. They look at accumulating assets that cash flow. And so, Mm -hmm. and they have, and they do it. That's uncommon. Um, Absolutely. And so they happen to be some of the most successful people in the world, not only uh, financially, but also time and money, freedom and happiness. And so I think people, not everybody's built for that, but if you think you might be built for that, uh, you ought to grab it because life is short. And as you two have uh, beat that situation so far, but uh, 
that is what people should try to refocus. And you can do it if you want to step outside one little step at a time and go forward in your life and try to build a life and business that you love. Bruce, you almost closed us out perfectly there. So I will go ahead and um, share that end cap, if you will, on our podcast today. This has been tremendous. Thank you again, Dean. Thank you for our listeners. Thank you, Bruce. And in closing, remember, success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. Discover the secret of how to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time so that you can strengthen your investment returns. We've created a free guide for you that explains the top three things every investor needs their privatized banking system to do. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash banking, put in your name and primary email address, click the send my free guide button right now and we'll see you on the inside. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated Member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and Investment Advisory Services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and Registered Investment Advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.